0: Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory, they glory in their shame. With minds set on earthly things,
1: you seated, great. In uh, 1985-ish, the epitome or the highest level of enjoyment for media was, for me at least, a videotape, a cassette. 1985, right? Watch Pinocchio, take it out, rewind it, put it back in, watch it again. If it wasn't this, it was a Nintendo 16-bit, I don't know what year that came out, but cartridges. And I could not imagine something better than this. It it was outside of my mind. I was like, there's no way it could get better than that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's an hour and a half of movie. Yes, you have to wait the two minutes or three minutes for it to be rewound. It's a little bit awkward to fast forward and rewind. Like sometimes you have to mess with the tapes a little bit to get them to work. I mean, but what could be better? I couldn't imagine something better than that. In 1996, there was an invention uh, in Japan that made very little difference to me. It was called a DVD. A DVD is something that you can skip chapters, you don't have to rewind it amazingly. I don't know how that works, it blew my mind as a kid. You don't have to rewind a DVD, how does that work? So in 1996, this invention took place, and at, the po- at that point, Blockbuster Video was a, mo- it was a behemoth, as far as a business goes. Every Friday night, what are you doing? You're going with your family down to Blockbuster, or your own rendition of it, and you're walking up and down the aisles looking for the video. And you're not just looking for the video you want, you're looking for a video with the picture with a box behind it, right? Wasn't it so sad when you'd go to the section of that brand new movie and it was like line after line after line of them, and you're like, yeah, but then there's no video behind it, right? So disappointing. Um, for, for those of you who don't, don't have the joy of this experience, um, you, you can meet me afterwards. We can I'll show you the relics of antiquity. Um, come 2000 and the year 2000 rachel and i were married in 2001 i think no 2002 thank you um and we were trying to decide when we were registering for things we went and, you know we were going to spring for like a nice tv that was important to me so we got a 27 inch massive 400 pound tree uh, tree and basically uh tv and uh we went for the the we we were progressive so we went with the cassette dvd combo any of you guys have this thing right it's like because i'm not sure if the dvd thing's gonna stick you know what i mean i don't want to replace all my cassettes and so you know you're planning you're like and i remember setting up our our tv dvd combo in our ghetto little um apartment which we all had at the beginning right and i'm sitting there i'm like this is so sweet There's nothing better than this. You kidding me, 27 inches of television? (laughs) Eat your heart out, mom and dad, right? The reality is, is that something much better was coming. And the reality is, is that many of us, we can get fixated on the here and now, what's amazing now and we can bank on if we just like invest our life in the here and now. Uh, it can be so enjoyable for a moment, but in in all reality, like if you were to snap back into that moment when I'm sitting gawking at my television and VHS player, you'd be shaking your head like, really? You're proud about that? (laughs) Just wait. This is what I think Paul is talking about in a different way about eternity, about what is most significant in this world, right? Is it the here and now? Or is it something that's coming that we can't even imagine how amazing it's going to be? I remember when uh, when Netflix first came out. You guys remember this? Netflix was a weird uh, situation. So uh, Netflix and Blockbuster were kind of this warring two. But when Netflix came on the scene, their their initial plan was 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 uh, to kind of usurp this old way of doing business. Blockbuster, when it was founded, it was founded based upon the idea that these cassette tapes were expensive. I don't know why, I'm not sure how much they were. Can anybody tell me, were these expensive? Apparently that was a problem. And so instead of having to buy a movie, they said, hey, let's buy a bunch of the movies and we'll rent them out. And so they built this business based upon the idea of renting out cassette tapes and video games and there was nobody coming close to being a competitor in 2020. Uh, 2000 in the year 2000 by the year 2010 they were filing bankruptcy as everybody knows Netflix came onto the scene and they started shifting how they were doing business no longer did you have to go and look at a store you could look at an online catalog you could order and these movies would get sent know this if you don't know this they would send you DVDs in the mail, is how it originally started. It's like, oh, is the mail here? Yeah, take out the disc. Oh, cool, all right, put it in there. That was, that was Netflix. Uh, right now, that would look so ridiculous, right? But we're not there anymore. What once was so glorious has now become archaic and laughable. Do you, do you wonder like what things we're gonna laugh about in heaven? I think we're going to have a really good time laughing about some of the things we obsessed about and some of the things that we spent ourselves on and some of the ways that we pursued. And like, if I just get that, we're going like, oh man, like there are already places in my life where I'm like, if I had only known, (laughs) if I had only known to like put my eyes towards the future instead of the right here, right now. I would be so much better off for it. I wish that I would have been able to anticipate the, the massive impact that, that 2020 was gonna have on the hand sanitizer industry, right? I wish I would have invested <laughs> in hand sanitizer. You know, the, the guy who's like filthy rich now, uh, Mr. Johnson and Johnson or whatever it is, I don't know, uh, he's, he's just laughing it up and we're, you know, and we're, at the time we're like, hand sanitizer, really? Are you sure? We don't know what the future is gonna hold. But actually, Scripture has given us a peek into the future. I think this is really an interesting section of of Scripture, of passage. Um, uh, Let's look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3 today. Philippians 3, we're told. uh, Let me pray, and then we'll we'll dive into verse 17. Father, we ask for your help. um, Please help us to not get stuck in the here in the now. Help us to to venture beyond. Help us to be pioneers, Lord God, of life. Um, You are the true pioneer of our faith. You've gone before us. Help us, Lord God, to to follow in your pioneering path um, of courage, innovation, and um, pursuit of what really matters. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, verse, I'll start in in verse 16, actually, um, you won't have it up there. Paul says, only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. That is Paul, Timothy, and the others who walk this countercultural way that Paul has been describing. If you were to go to the previous weeks of our discussion, Paul would have said, hey, I had it all in the world. I had esteem. I had privileges. I had all this independence and strength and dignity and reputation, but I counted it all as loss so that I may take hold of Jesus because he gives what my heart is longing for. I've I've given it away. I'm not clinging to my advantage and privilege. I am releasing for the sake of God gaining, grabbing hold of Jesus. And so he says, watch out. There are two ways of living in the world. There's there's a way of grabbing at, or there's a way of offering up. There are two patterns that you can walk, even as you look into the world of followers who say they follow the way of God. There are two paths and two patterns. Keep your eyes on those who walk, in the way that you have seen in me and seen in those who are modeling, not merely themselves, but modeling their life after Christ. If you were to look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, he would say, follow me or imitate me as I imitate Jesus. We're not all supposed to look like Paul. Thank God. I'm I'm not this bold, uh, brash guy like Paul was. Like, you don't need to become Paul. Become like the Paul who looked like Jesus. We wanna see Jesus in you. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, there are a lot of models that you can follow after in life. And there are gonna be some people that that, that try and meld together Christianity with the American dream or Christianity and self-actualization, and you're gonna be tempted to go, I wanna look like that. Because we follow people that we want to identify with or want to to grow into something that they have. And so we have to be really intentional about what we do with our eyes. Who, who, do we, who, do, who are we honoring? Who are we putting on, a, on some sort of a, a pedestal? Or, or who are we actually just like uh, tracking as models for our life? I think oftentimes we don't think that we're impacted by the way a person is in the world. We're just thinking about what they say or what they stand for. But how a person is in the world is actually a very large indicator of who they are on the inside. And so your actions, they betray or speak up about who you really are. So the pattern of our life should actually implicate or demonstrate what's actually going on within us. And so Paul says there are two different ways to to live in this world. There are people who will follow in the sacrificial way of Jesus, who does not grasp for privilege, for comfort, for autonomy, for power, for freedom, uh, for for reputation. He doesn't grab for that, he releases it so that he can offer himself up as a sacrifice. There's a humility that's intended to be the pattern of our life. And if you're hearing common things throughout the last few weeks, Paul continues to drive home this idea that humility, the release of our own interest for the interest of others, is not merely a suggestion, it is a pattern of life that regularly we should be looking at what our circumstances are and saying, Lord, what would it look like for me to offer myself firstly to you and secondly to them? What does this look like? Because this is the way of love that God has actually created us to live in. A way where we receive the love of God. We are open to receiving, but we're also not just holding tanks for God's goodness and grace and love. We are actually conduits where we are open to not merely receiving God's love, but to offer it to others. And so we have to learn to follow in the way of Jesus. In order to do that, we have to learn to loosen our grip. Loosen our grip to many things in in life. I think one of the biggest disservices to uh, the Christian church is the normalization of self-actualization. Where we've built this system in our brain and and a way of living that we hold very highly the, the ambition to make ourselves everything we can be. It's drilled into us from an early age. It is who do you want to be? How do you get there what do you need to do to achieve your maximum potential i'm not saying this is ungodly i'm saying that if this is the driving factor of our life if me becoming the me i'm supposed to be is the driver of my life the supreme uh, decision maker the filter i put in life it will allow me to do things that look nothing like jesus It will allow me to step on people. It'll allow me to overlook people. It'll allow me to be unkind and selfish on the way to becoming what I need to be. Uh, T.S. Eliot has this beautiful uh, quote, and I want to read more from this guy, but this quote's really interesting, where he's talking, and I think it's from his book, uh, The Rock, or Rock. Um, It says this, It is impossible, although we long to, it is impossible to design a system or a system of life so perfect that no one needs to be good any longer. Every one of us longs for clarity, some base rules in the world so that we can stop thinking about our actions, stop thinking about what I should do, disengage the heart, and just do what I feel like doing. We want rules to go, okay, if I do X, Y, Z, then I don't need to think about it at all. I can just be. So that's... Part of the draw to legalism. People want rules, some people. They want to know what's right, what's wrong. Show me the line and I'll stay within it. That way I don't have to engage. But that's not what Jesus is after. Did you notice that when Jesus comes, he says, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law that that you actually may become law-ish in your way of life. Not in restriction, but you will carry out what the law was always trying to create within you, but didn't have the ability to do apart from the Holy Spirit in you. He says, listen, I'm not going to replace old law with new law. I'm not going to drag old law forward. I'm going to set you free from the law, and I'm going to say there's some two basic things. Love God, love others, and then live out of that rubric. And so it explodes into a mass variety of ways of loving others and loving God, coming from the very few. But many of us, we want the many so that we don't get it wrong. What do you mean, love God, love other? What if there's a conflict? What do I do within that circumstance? No, well, that takes your heart. I don't want to use my heart to know what to do. I don't want to use my rationale. I don't want to overanalyze. But God is like, but that's the place where you and me are having discussion. It's like a husband and a wife deciding what vehicle to purchase. Well, I kind of like this interior. Well, I kind of like this interior, but I kind of like this gas mileage, but I kind of like this color. You're wrestling to go, what is the beauty of us together? You understand? God doesn't want you to have a brainless, heartless faith. He says, oh, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is so far from me. God wants an entangled relationship with you. And so although we long for simplicity of system, that's not what God is after at all. What God is after actually is a very intricate relationship with you while you have a very simple relationship to the world simple towards the world, love God, love others. Incredibly, intimately intricate with God. God, and and how, in what way would I be able to love you and love others in this circumstance? It's like you are rooting yourself in God instead of this world. Allowing the motivations to be more heavenly oriented than earthly oriented. And so Jesus does not want us to be able to just walk through the motions. He doesn't want you to just follow a pattern that the world shows you. Instead, he shows us this beautiful and intricate pattern of humility, not grasping, of honoring others, not self. And it's very difficult when we look at what Jesus calls us into, surrender of rights, not grabbing at, but releasing. That does not make sense to the world around us. It makes about as much sense to the world around us as us thinking about going back or the world imagining another way of living. They're like, but the only way to achieve or become is by fighting, taking, getting your own. So if we were to look at these three different areas, uh, or sorry, four different areas of life, Reputation, experience, autonomy, privileges. Jesus interacts with these things. And these are different ways that we can interact with the different categories of our experience. Often these things are associated with status. You have different reputation with different status in society. Your experience can change if you are an in or an out. Um, I don't know if you've ever been, uh, if you've gone to like a a resort with somebody as a guest as opposed to kind of just somebody walking in off the street. It's a completely different experience to belong or to be out. What do we do with our autonomy or our free choice? What do we do with our privileges? These are areas that are actually spaces for us to interact with God. The simplicity that the world will offer you is self-actualization. In each one of these areas, they're not gonna say, hey, hey okay, do you care what people think? No, no, okay, prove yourself. Prove yourself, prove that you belong in the area of reputation. So make sure people think what you want them to think about yourself. In another area of experience, it's it's not merely just prove yourself in the previous section. There's this element of treat yourself. What kind of experience do you deserve in this life? Treat yourself. You've worked hard, you've proved your worth, and that gains you some kind of comfort. Grab it, hold it. Don't think twice about it not only that but as you as you prove yourself and gain the benefits of, of ascending you begin to gain freedom so you're not just comfortable you're not just well regarded you have the ability to order or manage others what do you do with your freedom with your autonomy do you give away your choice or do you cling to your choice The world says of experience, treat yourself. The world says of autonomy, assert yourself. Whatever freedom you have, use it for the sake of self. And of privileges, whatever benefit you gain from your position or status, the world says, enjoy yourself. You've earned it. So it's almost a trajectory, a pattern, that the world is like, okay, yeah, you're born into this world, you have a family status, your family is either this wealthy or you've had this history. They're like, well now, prove yourself whether you are better than your family that you were born into, or that you are worthy of your family. And so you work really hard. I'll prove it, I'll prove it to you, Dad. I belong, finally. Okay, now what? Okay, finally I belong. Now I can really enjoy what I have for myself. I fought for it. I belong so I am entitled to that which I fought for to belong to and so I'm gonna hold tight to all of those things and I'm gonna experience the goodness of what I've worked for and you know what? Now that I've, I've worked to this, I, I have a little bit of freedom. I'm no longer working to belong so I can look around. I have free choice to do what I want with and we have the choice of going, okay, are we gonna take our freedom to, to use it to continue to climb the ladder? Or are we gonna use our freedom to serve one another? The world says, well, self-actualization, use the autonomy, the freedom, the free choice, the free time, energy, power to continue to climb up and gain more influence, more power, more authority, more status, and then finally, through your life, if you work it just right, you will gain a status that you were proud of, that you longed for, that your whole life was pointing towards. You risked everything to become what your little 12-year-old self dreamed you would be. And the world says, you made it, enjoy it. Soak it up. You worked hard for everything that you had. Don't give it away. Just collect, hoard, and enjoy. The world, self-actualization, gives us a pattern for how to become and make much of ourselves. What I would argue is that this is a videotape pattern. This is archaic. It makes sense in in a tangible, material world. If there is no eternity, if there's no spirituality, if all we have is the material world around us, this makes complete sense. If we are just products of, of non-divine uh, evolution, then this makes total sense. If there is no DVD coming, no internet streaming coming, this makes sense. But is, is this it? I would say the pattern of man that is focused on this world, on these moments, on the hunger and thirst of our appetites, it is, it is archaic. You know, the world likes to flip it on, our, on, on its head that, that we are the archaic ones, that we're the ones holding on to silly myths, but in all reality, like, heaven is coming here. Like. Yes, Netflix was a joke when I was watching uh, Mythbusters with my brother on his laptop and it was pixely. That was a joke. But what of what we're experiencing now? These, These glimpses, these bites of divine glory. When heaven comes here and we're like, whoa, there's something different happening here. We're tasting of a technology, so to speak, that is invading, it is coming. And the world's like, what are you talking about? That doesn't look functional. That doesn't make sense. I don't see any opportunity for that to really become anything. You're wasting your life. Use the pattern that we have. Prove yourself. Enjoy yourself. Treat yourself. Take advantage of what you've gained and enjoy the benefits of this glorious life. Oh man, there is so much more that Paul invites us to meditate on than the cassette life. Paul continues on and says that he wants us to focus not merely on the patterns of this world, but on something much more eternal. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears. They walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, They glory in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. So we're awaiting this King. From this commonwealth that we belong to. Or this is the commonwealth of the the glorious, glorious kingdom that is coming and jesus our king is coming to this earth to invade our very real existence where the ways when we we model after christ they feel uncomfortable they feel broken they feel nonsensical to to give up power we should take power it's hard but when his world comes here and invades here and not only the world around us but our bodies are going to actually be functioning within the true future reality we are going to be like what's the fastest internet right now i don't even know 10g 12g 100g whatever it is like can you imagine what it's going to be like? Like, we have to fight for intimacy, fight to, to just avoid the distractions, to ignore our aches and pains. We have to... And all of those things we're wrestling towards are going to become like oxygen to breathe. Being in the way of heaven as it comes because Jesus is coming. Verse 21. When this Savior who we await comes... He will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. The uh, illustration I'd like to... It's okay, the lid's on this time. Um, the illustration I want to kind of lead us through is, is this idea of climbing or grasping versus the way of Jesus. There are two patterns, like I said. Upward and over, which is the pattern of of the world. It says get it, gain it, accomplish it. But Jesus gives us a completely different model that we've been looking at throughout this whole section of Scripture. I think one of the foundations of this teaching is actually embodied in um, John chapter 13, this beautiful text. If we were to look at John 13, starting in verse 2, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that the Father had given him all things in his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So Jesus has a knowledge, an understanding. He has this way of going, I know where I'm from, I know where I'm going, and I know what is mine. It's set. So Jesus identifies with this, basically, I'm gonna say the highest tier, so to speak. He knows that his status is equal with the Father. But then the verse goes on. So he knows these things, He knew that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God, he was going to God. Verse 4, knowing this, he rose from supper and he laid aside his outer garments, which would have been rabbi robes, took off his jacket of honor. It's what identified you in public as someone special. And he exchanges it for a servant's towel. So Jesus had the privileges of being a rabbi. He could have gone out and people would have honored him, respected him, followed him, all of that, but instead he chose to take off his outer markings of rabbi, the status. He chose not to grab hold of the privileges of being rabbi, but instead he chose to take up a servant's towel. And so he was willing to surrender himself to what was even greater. He laid aside his outer garments and taking up the towel, he tied it around his waist. He didn't just hold it in his hand. He's like, no, this is my new garment. He identified with that. In verse 5, Then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. So he picks up this tool instead of holding tight to his freedom, Jesus offered up his freedom, his autonomy to become a servant. And even saying, oh yeah, I'm a servant, it takes actually picking up a basin to be a servant. I think a lot of us lie to ourselves, I lie to myself. Oh Jesus, yes, I, I follow you with all of my heart. You know I do as I do what I want. You know I mean it in my heart, as I don't out externally. You, I'm a servant, but you know, if if I if I do that, then someone else won't. You know me. You know, it takes picking up the basin, and it takes embracing the ridicule of being a servant. You'll notice that he didn't just wrap the towel around his waist. The text goes on and he washed the disciples feet and when he and th- he washed the disciples feet and he began to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him Jesus didn't leave the muck in the bucket he wiped the muck on himself so he became covered with the mire of others instead of fighting for reputation he's like no I'm going to take it. And so instead of going the way of the world, Jesus resists the temptation to take hold of. We won't go into it this morning, but if you were to look at the temptations of Jesus in the desert, they're actually pretty close to aligning with temptations to prove yourself. Hey, if you were the Son of God, make these stones into bread. Prove yourself. If you you were the Son of God, throw yourself off of this castle or this pinnacle, and then the angels will show up, and then people will celebrate you. What's your experience, Jesus? Oh Jesus, if you bow down and worship to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Satan had power to do that. Satan is the king of the power of the air of the earth. Jesus didn't have to do what he did. He could have grabbed hold of the celebration, the glory, the honor, the comfort, the reputation in the temptations, but instead he chose to pick up a towel. He chose to, instead of hold tight, to let go. Jesus gives us a completely different pattern. Are we following the pattern of Jesus or the pattern of the world? Because Jesus could have justified any one of those things. Just like I justify when I choose my reputation over serving Jesus, when I choose my comfort and experience of niceness over suffering and serving others, when I choose to, to serve self with my freedom and I would rather have autonomy than to submit to someone else's plans, God or otherwise, I choose the way of man, not the way of Jesus. I choose to focus on the things of this world and not on the things of eternity. Paul says, focus on me and those who look like me, who look like Jesus, who follow the pattern of Jesus. Because I tell you, even with tears, that there are some, many in fact, who do not look like Jesus. Their mind is set on earthly things. They glory in their shame, that which they think is so beautiful now is someday going to be ridiculously embarrassing. And I would even argue he's speaking primarily to people who are saying they follow Jesus, but their pattern looks just like the world. They say they follow Jesus, but they're like, yeah, but i got to work to prove myself. And once I prove myself, then I'm going to soak up the benefits of belonging. And then after I find the benefits of belonging, then I want to become powerful within the community of God so that I can assert my authority to become more important. And then once I become important and I I find a place, then oh, I'm just going to enjoy the benefits of being important in God's family and it looks nothing like Jesus. Well, it makes such good sense in the world. Oh man, if church is just something we do because we're bored while we wait for the earth to tick down to zero, then it's great. We want more people like that in the church who are willing to step on others to get higher and to become what they're supposed to be. We want that. But if eternity exists and if your soul is eternal and if we have a future beyond the wall of unknowing, then we actually have to take seriously the words of Jesus and the words of Paul who says, do not focus on those people who live in the pattern of the world and put a Jesus stamp on it. Live after the pattern of Paul, the pattern of Jesus, both of which were scarred. They wore the marks of the cross because to walk in a way that is only earthly focused of, of benefit and grab of power and influence and taking advantage and you know, fighting to the top. That is actually to set your mind on earthly things, and when you come into contact with a person who is upward and over, mobility-oriented, as opposed to humility and sacrifice-oriented, you see that the way of the cross, which is sacrifice, submission, humility, and release, is in stark contradiction to the way of the world that doesn't go down but goes up and over. They are enemies of the cross. Because the paths are so different. So wait, we're supposed to follow Jesus. Jesus picked up his cross and he said, pick up your cross, follow me. I'll show you the way to eternity. So are we to assume that what we see in the here and now is the end? Because we have in in, uh, Hebrews 13 this beautiful group of people who chose to live differently. Hebrews 13, I believe it is, it says this. Excuse me, Hebrews 11. There are many people through antiquity, through biblical history, who and it says they all died. They came to the end of their life. They saw it. They could not see beyond the wall of unknowing. We couldn't at least. Not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in this earth. For people who speak thus, saying that they are strangers and aliens, they make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they have been thinking of that land from which they had gone, the earth. They would have had opportunities to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one before God. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. There's a reason that we are called Sparrow City, because our home is not here. We are journeying toward the city of God that he has prepared for us, that will be like... Uh, jet speed internet versus cassette tape video. And the more we can learn to use the technology or the ways of eternity, the more we are going to be able to enjoy the glory when Christ returns and we step into that new reality beyond the here and now. If we think that this is all there is, we, we we are missing it. we're surrounded by people who think that, like that is the primary um, academic perspective. It's just the flesh, just all we have is the material world. And so for us, it is foolishness, or we look like fools in the eyes of the academic, in those who are just material oriented. And there's some shame associated with it. But here's the beautiful reality is that many people who live like that, they live for this world. All they care about is winning, getting ahead, arriving. They do. They step right on our backs. They, they succeed. Whereas we fall in the way of Jesus, who in Philippians 2 says, Al- although he was in the form of God, He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, the privilege of being divine. He did not grasp it, but he humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, gave up his autonomy to the point of of death, his experience is pain, even death on a cross, which is humiliation. Jesus walked, counter to the way of this world. And he invites us to do the same. It's beautiful that that's not the end of the Jesus poem found in Philippians 2. Let's imagine for a moment that this is a wall of unknowing, the grave. What's beyond this life? Only Jesus knows. The wall of unknowing, if the grave is the end, then Jesus, and he suffered well, but poor guy. If, if the wall of unknowing, the end of your life is all there is, many people will go, man, you, you are to be pitied. They gave it all away when they could have driven towards the top. But be encouraged because as Paul said before, of Jesus, that we are to have the mind of Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, stepping down by taking on the form of a servant, stepping down by being born in the likeness of men, stepping down and becoming found in the form of humanity. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, stepping down even to the death of one on a cross, stepping down therefore which is such a beautiful statement therefore my bible turned just doing it for effect you know (laughs) being born in the likeness of man okay yep Philippians 2. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted Him and given Him a name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The wall of unknowing is a revealer. Paul says, don't follow the pattern of men who just fight to become. Know that your status is secure. Today, Jesus has made you his son, his daughter in him. And so we are invited to, out of that confidence, be free to offer ourselves up as opposed to holding tight to these things. Paul says in the verse we're um, focused on this morning, verse 20, You are citizens of heaven, and from it you await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in Jesus. My beloved, your end is not the bottom. This world is not all we have. The wall of unknowing is not the end. There is a reality where we're told that when Jesus comes back, he will both turn that which people glory in now, apart from him, into shame. Their end is destruction. But he will also transform ourselves into the glorious embodiment of wholeness that Jesus is. And all will see who you have been this whole time. So let us take on the heart and mind of Jesus who for the joy that was set before him, that is the privileges of being and the people whom he could claim willingly endured the cross, despising the shame that he may claim us as his own. This is the way of Jesus. Submission, release, not grasping, but offering up. And in the end, the Lord will make all things clear. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness and kindness to us. We ask that you would bless us. We ask, God, that you would help our minds to not merely be um, stuck on the things of this world, Jesus, but that we would follow this intentional pattern of release, Lord. As I'm praying, I'm going to say a couple of uh, things for your reflection. I'm going to ask you to just wrestle with Jesus because He has entrusted you. Depending upon who you are, it's going to look different. He's given you certain privileges, certain things in your life that maybe you worked hard for, maybe you were given. How important are those privileges to you? Maybe it's the freedom of being able to travel where you want or do what you want or it's the warmth of a home or it's the respect of others. Some of you have a standard of life. You've either fought hard for it or received it has that become an idol? Have the benefits of your life become this impermeable line that holds you back from stepping into what Jesus is calling you to do? Because the world, it, it will give you permission to do what you want. It'll it'll encourage you to say, stand up for yourself, fight for yourself, keep what you've earned, enjoy yourself, treat yourself. It will give you permission to be about yourself. But this world is not the true world. The kingdom of Jesus is not of this world. He is inviting us into a new economy to believe by faith that our sacrifices here on earth will be honored, reflected in our future. Lord, if there are areas of our life, our reputation, our experience, our freedom, Benefits and privileges, Lord, of our life. God, if they're standing in the way of us living in this world, would you please just point your finger on them? I encourage you as you're sitting to just tell the Lord, I'm listening. I invite you to point. some of you, you you sense it. He's putting his finger on something and you're going, yeah, that's become too important. I've used that as an excuse to ignore you. Some of you know exactly what you need to do. Others of you, you're just being made aware that something is out of kilter. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who have minds set on heaven that we would seek the things that are above not the things of this earth that we'd be a people or Jesus who pattern ourselves after you a courageous giving God we love you we need your Holy Spirit's power to do this it's hard to let go. It's hard to go without when everyone tells us we deserve to have. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill our hearts with hope and with joy and peace instead of fear, instead of resistance. We believe you're inviting us into your ways, your peace, life abundant as we give in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We're going to worship now for the remainder of our time. Uh, But as as you're worshiping, I just want to let you know that we're continuing to have a space for prayer Behind stage and a few of us will be back there to just pray with you encourage you whatever that may be um, but as we worship let's remember the body and blood of Christ who allows us allows us the freedom to be free confident unafraid to give blessings guys